Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Today is Monday, January the 25th, 2021. We are reading from the big book, continuing our study in the chapter, More About Alcoholism, on page 32, the first paragraph, though there is no way of proving it. Reading into the second paragraph, ending on the 14th line, had qualified him to drink as other men, and commenting on all. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Margie, 12 Traditions, Nina R., and readers of the text, Rick J., Lisa B., and Craig F. The share ID for yesterday, Sunday, January the 24th, the special edition, 16262. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Marge E. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Marge. Thank you, Lynn. This is Margie from Massachusetts, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service in January, and I pass. 
Thank you, Margie. And Nina R. will read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Nina. Hi, this is Nina R. from New York City. Uh, Tradition one. Hold on. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants that do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create special service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. And 12, anonymity is a, special, is a spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thanks for letting me be a service. Thank you, Nina R. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your share be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book in the chapter more about alcoholism. We're on page 32, the first paragraph, though there is no way of proving it. Continuing into the second paragraph, ending with the 14th line, had qualified him to drink as other men. And Rick J., would you read for us, please? Yes, good morning. Thank you. My name is Rick Jay. I am a compulsive overeater in Cary, North Carolina. Recovered, but not cured, as my dear friend says. Um, there, Though there is no way of proving it, we believe that early in our drinking careers, most of us could have stopped drinking. 
But the difficulty is that few alcoholics have enough desire to stop while there is yet time. We have heard of a few instances where people who showed definite signs of alcoholism were able to stop for a long period because of an overpowering desire to do so. Here is one. A man of 30 was doing a great deal of spree drinking. He was very nervous in the morning after these bouts and quieted himself with more liquor. He was ambitious to succeed in business, but saw that he would get nowhere if he drank at all. Once he started, he had no control, whatever. He made up his mind that until he had been successful in business and had retired, he would not touch another drop. An exceptional man, he remained bone dry for 25 years and retired at the age of 55 after a successful and happy business career. Then he fell victim to a belief which practically every alcoholic has, that his long period of sobriety and self-discipline had qualified him to drink as other men. Yeah, um, that's me right there. I, um, I know that, you know, for me, I, uh, I went on many diets and, um, I, I had a desire to stop eating. I was trying to achieve some goal that was very important to me, uh, a return to health to, uh, to get back in shape or to run some race. Um, I mean, uh, literally <laughs> like a half marathon or a 10 K or just whatever it was, I would set a goal and, um, you know, I would, I would get in shape and I would hold my breath underwater and that great obsession, you know, that I can control and enjoy my eating was my great obsession. So, uh, yeah, many diets and only one progressive illness, uh, and, and progression, you know, it's, it's there, it's a part of me. And, um, and this guy, you know, the man of 30, um, he'd already hit that stage of his drinking career where he begins to lose all control of his liquor consumption once he starts to drink, you know, cause he was, uh, he was into the sprees, you know, so it's already kicked in for me. I don't know if there was ever a, a time when I could have stopped in time. It's a moot point, but, um, I, uh, I first started binge eating when I was six years old with mayonnaise because that changed the way I felt for some reason. I don't know. It's, it's a little weird. Um, and then I started going into, uh, you know, to snack foods and then quantities of food and then sugar. And, and I stayed with sugar for a long time. And when I actually got sober, um, I, I immediately went back to the, uh, the food because that really was something that, uh, in a way my, uh, my disease, of you know the compulsive overeating was was diverted somewhat with uh with a lot of alcohol and drugs and when that went away the uh the disease the compulsive overeating uh was was always there so regardless of whatever i did in another 12-step program i had never worked the steps on this i didn't have a spiritual awakening i was on a diet i was holding my breath underwater and of course um, it's there, it's waiting. So the only thing that's going to keep me from that is that spiritual connection that I can only get through the steps. Um, and that's what I have to do. And that's what I did this morning. That's what I do every day that I pass.
Thank you, Rick J. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared on Thursday or Friday of last week, please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Linda D. Nancy L. This is Larry K. Tina S. Barbara S. Anyone else? Okay, let's go with that lineup. We have Linda D, Nancy L, Larry K, Tina S, and Barbara S. Good morning, Linda. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning, everybody. It's Linda D in Connecticut. What a powerful reading. The thing that, um, oh, I should say I'm very grateful to be here and I'm recovered for a little bit. Uh, The thing that jumps out at me is right in the center there where it says that this man was nervous in the morning and he quieted himself with more of something. That's the story of my whole life. And um, so, of course, as a child, since I I believe I was born like this, uh, and I've had periods of success and whatnot, um, as a child, all I wanted was to feel safe, to be loved, to belong, to succeed, and had this terrible disease that no one knew I had, and my folks had it in some form, and I had it, and so I did the best I could. And it's many years later, I'm a grown-up, and I'm I'm recovered. I must know something. I don't know much at all. But I do know this. I don't live like normal people, whoever they are. There must be some somewhere. Um, And what I do is more of something to compensate for all the fear that flows in the minute I decide I know a real lot about living, a real lot about recovery. I know something, but I don't know what's going to happen today. But I know something, and the something I know is surrender works to a higher power. It's within me, and the directions are in the book. This power is within me, and I either cooperate with that loving, intelligent force, and it has showed itself to be that, or himself or herself, or I skate off the pond into an obsession about something. And then I'm dead, very crazy, before I die. And that's not overdramatic. That's real. I pass. Thank you, Linda B. Nancy L., it's your turn, followed by Larry K. Good morning, Nancy. Press star one to unmute, Nancy. Okay, good morning. I was talking only to my staff here. Um, This paragraph certainly describes me. Um, I've been a compulsive eater uh, since I was a child. 
and where it came from really doesn't matter. That, you know, I probably may have been, as someone said before, I may have been born. Hello? You're there, Nancy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Well, I don't know what my phone is doing. Hello? You're there, Nancy. We can hear you. I'm having some difficulty with my phone, so I think I'm going to pass instead of going on with this. Okay, thank you, dear. Thank you. Thank you. Larry Kay, it's your turn, followed by Tina S. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Lynn. Uh, Thanks so much. This is Larry Kay. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm from uh, Chicago. You know, when I read this, um, it's it's, uh, pretty interesting. I don't know about the man of 30. You know, I didn't, I didn't know the guy. We didn't know the guy. Um, but I, I, it reminds me of uh, someone I know pretty well. Um, and that whenever I read this, um, it reminds me of a guy. This guy had a long period of uh, sobriety. And um, I remember hearing him. Uh, he, was, he was on the – he was a speaker in 12-step programs. He, uh, he had some good things to say. He had uh, he had uh, recovered from the seemingly seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, and um, I mean this guy would go around and it was amazing. Um, he would get standing ovations. You know, he just there was just something about the, the way that the people felt about what he was the message he was carrying and so forth. And um, it was just um, extraordinary. And this disease really doesn't play. This disease does not mess around. And then, you know, um, you know, something happened to this guy and I, uh, uh, then he, uh, he picked up, uh, and, uh, the standing ovation stopped. I'll tell you that. And, (laughs) you know, the, uh, the speaking and so forth. Um, um, you know, this guy as well. You may, some of you may know this guy as well. This guy's name is Larry Kay. Now, I will tell you that Larry Kay did not pick up food by the grace of God. He did not pick up food. He's been recovered from uh, the seemingly hopeless state of mind and body with food for many years, but he picked up something else. And here's the point. I know other people, too, that have as well, that are on this line, this very line, people that you respect. They've, they've, uh, they've been on this road as well. See, there's nothing, nothing special about any of us. See, this disease does not discriminate uh, from anyone. Uh, of anyone. It does not discriminate. It doesn't mess around. This disease is prevalent and it is progressive. It is permanent and it is fatal. Now, my sponsor was another one of those people uh, that, as I say, there may be other people that have had this experience and we are transparent. We try to be transparent. I don't tell everything to everyone, but I need to be honest and I will tell you that, um, okay, great. You know, uh, the food, that was removed. That probably would have killed me years ago. There's no question about it. The food would have killed me. Okay, but, you know, lest I think or lest anyone think that there is not, this disease is more prevalent than just food. Now, it may be for you, but for me, there are many different things, behaviors, even behaviors, that will deprive me of emotional sobriety, will deprive me of life, and 
Thank God, what I also can tell you is that these steps work. Indeed, they work. Uh, it's by the grace of God that I'm recovered today. And, um, and uh, I will just tell you, and I'll wrap up, Lynn, by saying, yeah, thanks, Lynn. I'll wrap up by saying that this, this should offer hope to anyone, anyone with this disease, that these steps are available to you, and they offer a tremendous, profound amount of hope. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Larry Kay. Tina S., it's your turn, followed by Barbara S. Good morning, Tina. Good morning, Lynn. Thanks so much for your service. Tina S., recovered compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Wow, you know, some great paragraphs here. And I, you know, I could really relate to everybody that shared, you know. And, you know, one of the things when I read initially, it says, um, you know, a man of 30 was doing a great deal of spree drinking. And, you know, that was my history with my food, you know, because being a, a compulsive eater, you know, binging and then starving. And, you know, that was just what I did. So, you know, I could, I was a great dieter till I wasn't. I love that it talks in the book about, you know, controlling and enjoying, you know, if I'm doing one, I can't do the other both ways. You know, if I'm controlling it, I can't, I'm not enjoying it for sure. And if I'm enjoying it, there's no control about it, you know? So, um, you you know, and I I don't know that, you know, I didn't quit because I wanted to succeed in anything. You know, I probably hit the, the number on the scale, you know, and I thought, okay, we're good now. Let's go. You know, and, you know, what I know today is that I have an allergy to the body and an obsession of the mind. And once I put that stuff in my body, it may not be right today, but it is soon that I'm off to the races, you know. And so, therefore, you know, I have to take care of the mind. And the only way that I can do that, because for for a long period of time, I was taking care of the physical stuff. I was keeping it out of my body until I couldn't any longer, you know, because it says self-reliance failed us, you know, um, self-knowledge, it'll kill me, you know, and what I do know is that there comes a time when I don't have a mental defense, and that defense must come from a power greater than myself, and that's what these 12 steps do for me. I find that power, you know, I can start to live with that power. I invite this God in my life that does for me what I cannot do for myself, that one day at a time, I stay free, you know, of the stuff that is uh, blocking me, you know, no ma- and I love the previous share, no matter what it is, you know, I, I, you know, I've been free from food obsession and the food for a very long time, but I still can get the crazies. I can make somebody or something my higher power any minute, and then I'm, I'm off to the races, you know, and whether, and it doesn't matter what it is, my dog, <laughs> you know, if I'm so consumed with my dog, you know, then, you know, that I'm crazy. And when I start relating to a power greater than myself, not relating, but inviting in, you know, then I have a shot. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm rambling, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to more of the shares. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. And Barbara S., it's your turn. Welcome, Barbara. Press star one to unmute. Oh, hi, this is Barbara S. Uh, glad to be here. I'm a compulsive. Barbara, oh. your line isn't clear. Can you, uh, is there something you could do? Oh, you can't, you can't hear me? Not very clearly. No, you're breaking up. Oh, uh, uh, now, if not, I'll just pass and, and listen. Okay, thank you, Barbara. Thank you. 
For those of us who may have come on the line a little bit later this morning, we are continuing our study in the chapter more about alcoholism. We're on the first paragraph on page 32, though there is no way of proving it, reading into the second paragraph down to about the 14th line that ends with had qualified him to drink as other men. And we're commenting on all those lines. Just a reminder that if you shared on Thursday or Friday of last week, to please step back and let others have their turn. And please, say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Phil M. Ginger C. Johan, was that you there in the background? Yeah, it was. Great. Calling in. Okay. So far I have Phil M, Ginger C, Johan N, Colleen M. Was there anyone else? No, we'll save a space for Barbara S just in case she calls back in. Toby K. Was that Helby? Toby. Toby, gosh, I can never get that. Thank you, Toby K. Okay, let's go with that lineup. We have Phil M, Ginger C. Excuse me, moderator, you, you, your and, voice could be a little more clear, too. You're bubbling up, too. Thank you, Charles. Okay, let's I will uh, start with Phil M, go on to Ginger C, and I will call back in. Thank you. Go ahead, Phil. Hello. Can I check if you can hear me, Lynn? Yeah, I can hear you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, my name is Phil, a grateful uh, recovered compulsive eater from Northern Ireland. And uh, yeah, this is quite a story. Wasn't it amazing that he could, you know, um, get sober? on on his willpower um i could never do that i i kept promising and kept trying to you know get abstinent on my willpower and also with the help of all sorts of people you know um therapists psychiatric nurses the works um and they they all helped with other aspects of my life but it did not help with my eating um i had a meditation practice but that didn't help with my eating certainly helped me cope with my 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 life yesterday however um i i didn't meditate in the morning i got a bit distracted at a phone call that i was just up in time for then there was a service and then there was something else and surprise surprise i had a very kind of a low day a low mood day um and um I, I realized that it was, I was missing my connection. I was missing that meditation in the morning. And it just reminds me that my life is unmanageable without my connection to my higher power. Um, and I need that every now and again, as, as I don't need it every now and again, but the reminder is very powerful. Um, on Friday, I was trying to tune into the, um, the vision meeting and um, I was, I had, a packet of crisps, I think might call chips or um in America. And um funny enough my connection to the vision meeting just just went off 
and I kept getting this message your connection is poor, your connection is poor. So I think God has a really sense, good sense of humour. I think she was telling me, you know, right, Phil, you don't need crisps. You don't need crisps anymore. I have been wrestling a bit with this here about giving it up and I need to give it up. And as somebody has said, it's okay to grieve, you know, the next part, the next thing I have to give up. But um, I got the message good and clear. My connection was poor and my connection needs to be strong. It needs to be strong with my higher power and it needs to be strong with yourselves as well. And I'm so grateful for you all being here and trudging this path of happy destiny with me with that El Paso. Thank you, Phil M. Ginger C., it's your turn, followed by Johan N. Please go ahead, Ginger. Good morning, Lynn. Thank you so much for your service. Ginger C., recovered compulsive overeater. And I love the sentence, then he fell victim to a belief, a thought in his head, a delusional thought, crazy thinking. So, you know, I never take that first sip drunk. Everything is centering in my mind and my thinking. And that's what we're up against as addicts and alcoholics and compulsive overeaters and sex addicts and shoppers and you name it. There are plenty of sprees that you can go have fun with. So it just reminds me of the importance. You know, this is just a daily reprieve, this 24-hour contingency. And I better be checking in with myself before I check out. How is my thinking? What are my thoughts? Are they of God and trying to be of maximum service? Or am I back to selfish, self-centered ginger, thinking about me and my problems? And thank God, again, it's just this day, you know, but I love our clear-cut directions. I just read page 86 and did my meditation. God, direct my thinking. Because me, on my own accord, I am screwed I'm going to go anywhere but towards you and this connection to do this most important work, thinking about that person right now outside your door. And, you know, my heart has just been so heavy these past days because we are so privileged that we found the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous. We think everyone knows about 12 steps. And the reality is a lot of our world has not a clue, not a clue where to go, who to call, or what to do. So I pray, you know, I just had 30 years of sobriety in Alcoholics Anonymous by God's grace. I'm the one that, I'm this story. Boy, it's been a lot, a lot of years, Jen. You got sober young up while you were at Boulder on that CU campus. Maybe you were too young. Maybe everybody drank like that. Maybe you're okay now. It's been a long time. So again, I'm just so grateful for this step one. I think it's the most vital step because he made up his mind, which to me is control. Was he really done? Had he taken step one completely? Because I think if you do, you have a really good chance never to go back to the food because you know the nightmare, you know the pain, and you never forget where you left off. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ginger C. Johanan, it's your turn, followed by Colleen M. Good morning, Johan. Hello, good morning, good day. My name is Johan Ann, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Sweden. Thank you so much for service this morning, this day, and uh, thanks for all the shares. It's been amazing sitting, listening in, and 
And this paragraph is just amazing as well. And it shows me that uh, this, pro this disease is, uh, is progressive. And it doesn't matter if I'm abstinent or not. Uh, it, will, it, will, it will still progress. Uh, and uh, my life was, you know, trying to get thin with the next diet uh, and, uh, and just in the end gaining weight. And that, that shows how progressive this illness is, that it never, it never gets better. It only gets worse and worse and worse. Until I, I came to, to OA and uh, uh, until I had this first step experience where I really saw that I was completely powerless, completely powerless. Uh, I never wanted to give up food. Food was my solution. I, I wanted to, to keep doing food. I, I, through the diets and through you know, my own mind, I just wanted to, to get this under control, which is, uh, of course, impossible. <laughs> so uh, seeing that in my first step experience, I was uh, right where I needed to be. Uh, I was completely uh, powerless. I was, uh, I had hope, but I was hopeless. <laughs> and I was desperate for a solution. I was desperate to get recovery. Uh, and thanks to that, I, I worked the steps through uh, in big book. I did it quickly. I got a spiritual experience uh, where the obsession was lifted from me. And uh, you know, thanks to this program, thanks to the steps uh, I would have outlined in big book, thanks, thanks to, to good sponsorship within Norway and, and thanks to the guys that I get to sponsor, I, I can stay uh, abstinent one day at a time. Uh, as long as I keep working the program, because this is a progressive illness, so my program needs to be progressive as well. Uh, doesn't matter what I did yesterday. Uh, I need to start again today and do whatever I can in steps 10, 11 and 12 to, 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 to have this connection with my higher power. Uh, to have this connection with, with the program and with others. But uh, thanks to that, I'm, I'm, living a, uh, I'm living a happy, joyous and free today, which uh, is a complete miracle without, uh, without the obsession, without the mental twist. But it's just 24 hours. That's the thing. Uh, I'm never safe. I'm never completely safe. Uh, I'm safe and protected by God's grace, but I'm never uh, safe. I need to keep working this program one day at a time. But I am incredibly grateful for this program and for these meetings as well. And uh, that we also have uh, uh, Swedish vision meetings now in, in Sweden, which is, uh, which is lovely. Time, please. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Johan N. Colleen M., it's your turn, followed by Toby K. Good morning, Colleen. Good morning. Thank you, moderator, and everyone that's doing service on this line. I'm Colleen M., recovered, positive overeater from Maryland. And uh, shares today have been great. Thank you um, for everyone that spoke. So, you know, I wanted to talk about this sentence that says as well that every alcoholic would fall prey to the idea that once they have put down their substance for some time, that they could uh, pick it up and act like normal people. Um, and this uh, doesn't just pertain to my food, which I fell prey to the idea that once I put the food down, that I would be happy, joyous, and free. And that is so not the case. Um, 
I lost my baby sister last January, and uh, very suddenly, it, it, is, it has rocked my world. And, uh, you know, the blinders have fallen off. And uh, although I've been recovered for, you know, 20 plus years in um, other groups, um, you know, my addiction is more, more of uh, anything outside of me. And, uh, you know, this, this program states that, uh, you know, this is a daily reprieve based upon my spiritual condition. Um, <clears throat> I was addicted to religion, and I've had to, uh, to find a, a power that's greater than myself that would actually work for me, that I could trust. It's been a very difficult, painful process. But, um, you know, I feel like I'm coming up, coming to the other side because uh, it's been a long year. Shoot. And I have hope today because if I was eating, there would be no chance in this world that I would make any progress. And the, the miracle of it all is that I haven't wanted to eat. And, um, you know, I can sit with my emotions today and I can feel them and I can be okay in them and know that my higher powers got this. And even though I feel, even though I don't always feel my higher power's presence, I can believe that my higher power is there for me and cares for me. And uh, and as long as I don't fall to that delusion that I'm fixed, and um, that really pisses me off that I'm not going to ever get fixed, because um, I'd like to just check off the boxes and move on, and I know that's not going to happen. Uh, thank God for uh, for places like this where we can go and hear this message on a daily basis. And I agree with, uh, I think it was Ginger who said, so many people out there who don't even know this is available and it's free and all we got to do is show up and be do- willing to do the work and get honest. Thank you for letting me share. You guys have a great day. Thank you, Colleen M. And Toby K., it's your turn. Good morning, Toby. Hi, could you hear me okay? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, Hi, it's Toby Kay uh, from Long Island, New York. And I've been listening um, to the reading and the shares, and uh, I could really identify with the reading. Um, I always blamed my parents for my overeating uh, because they were Holocaust survivors. And um, the most important thing to them was a roof over their head and clothing and food, 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 food. And I remember my mother, well, I don't remember, but my mother telling me, uh, she should rest in peace, that she stuffed me to the point of throwing up. And then she would stuff me again uh, or feed me again. So... um, for many, many years, I blamed my parents. Uh, it's all their fault. My father had a grocery. All I did was go into the store because they were working long hours to provide food for um, us. And um, I didn't appreciate it. All I did was eat. I was in a grocery. I just took. So um, it took me a very long time to find a way and uh, to realize 
um, that my diets don't work. And like I've heard, it doesn't matter where it came from, how it appeared. I am it, a compulsive overeater. So um, I thank my higher power for bringing me to this um, point. And uh, like I've heard, um, self-reliance is not enough. It's only with a higher power and doing the work uh, to get this connection with God. And um, thank you so much for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Toby Kay. So for those of us who might have come on the line a little bit later, we are continuing our study of the big book in the chapter more about alcoholism on page 32, the first paragraph, though there is no way of proving it, reading down into the second paragraph, about 14 lines down, ending with had qualified him to drink as other men. And if you did share Thursday or Friday of last week, please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once. It does help me hear you. Who would like to share? Pam S. Maya K. Barbara (laughs) Michelle, that was Barbara. Okay, there was Barbara somebody. Barbara S. Barbara S. Oh, good. You're back, Barbara. That's great. I have Pam S., Maya K., Barbara S., and Michelle D. Let's go with that lineup. So, Pam S., please go ahead. Can I be heard? Yes, thank you. Thank you. This is Pam S., compulsive overeater from Philly. I'm going to start with the truth. My disease is a liar. And the end phrase makes it clearer to me. That's where it talks about that the long period of sobriety and self-discipline had qualified him to drink as other men. I was lied to even while in OA because when I came in, my disease said to me that all you need to do is get a certain number of days as your day count of not indulging in compulsive overeating, and also all you needed to do was use a little self-discipline. That was doing the steps sort of, and that was using the tools sort of that I would be okay. But the truth showed up when I took that first bite and then went into that first meal and then went into full-blown relapse, that that is not true. You have to do and I have to do the work of the steps. I've got to rely on my higher power because only God can keep me from compulsive overeating, not my self-discipline. So I'm so grateful that I found vision for you because it's been listening to your to your shares and listening to the podcast that I am convinced I'm a compulsive overeater with a disease that is permanent, it is progressive, and it's fatal. So I thank all of you for being here. And having said that, I pass. Thank you, Pam S. Maya Kay, it's your turn, followed by Barbara S. Good morning, Maya. Hi, um, this is Maya Kay, I'm compulsive overeater and bulimic, covered from um, New York. Um, <clears throat> uh, I really love this um, paragraph. Um, 
I didn't want to share, but I really um, just was brought back to um, my recovery um, moment when I um, was really desperate. And um, I've been in program a long time in different, you know, parts of OA and um, have tried a lot of experimenting in program and out of program and um, trying to control this disease. And um, I've definitely surrendered. And I do remember this moment when I was um, really poor uh, in a horrible marriage with a three-year-old, four-year-old daughter. And I had just eaten all her her desserts for her birthday. And I was miserable. And I just remember this moment where I felt just awful and said, you know, if I could have a million dollars or abstinence, what would I want right now? Because I, I, I was trapped in a horrible marriage and I just, I was, I just was trapped in a horrible, you know, disease. And I just wished, I just wanted to be happy in my own skin. And I just wished I could be abstinent. And I, I think it was that time when things turned around for the first time in program. And I, um, and every, all of a sudden, I think since then, really, I've had enough of everything. I, I got out of the marriage, got abstinent, um, and I've always had enough of money, of, you know, food, and, um, you know, I've had ups and downs, but, I, you know, it's so precious, abstinence, you know, it's worth more than a million dollars, you know, and I'm just so grateful for my recovery, and, um, and I, I'm just so grateful for it, and I, I don't need to experiment. My food tastes great. I have enough. Um, you know, I'm grateful for my home, my 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 car. I mean, from where I come from, I just I feel like I have enough with with um, my higher power and having faith in God and just really searching for God and for recovery. And when I when I've fallen, I've just prayed to God and said, help me and like just reach for whatever power I can find, whatever, you know, just keep looking um, in this program and, and it's found me, you know, so I, I've kept reaching and I'm somebody who's come from dark places and, and it's pulled me out time and again, this, this program works. And um, I just have to say, you know, it is, it's a miracle. Um, So hang in there, you know, for anybody. Um, I've been around for more than 30 years, and it's the only thing that's ever helped me. And I'm so grateful for this program. And it's really a light, um, like, that's kept me going. And um, this program really works. It's a way of living for anybody, Um, whatever power you want to call it. You know, I call it God. But thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Maya Kay. Barbara S., it's your turn, followed by Michelle D. Good morning, Barbara. Press star one to unmute. Hi, it's Barbara S. Um, Grateful to be here. I'm a compulsive overeater, still recovering, and actually on reset. I'm back on um, this line but I have been involved with OA. I could definitely relate to um, 
being, I don't know if you call it, maybe abstinent and then just suddenly this comes back because it never disappears. Um, I'm also diabetic and I'm, I'm managing it. So I was told that it will not disappear, but it's the same thing as the um, compulsive overeating. I would go for six or seven months and I thought everything was fine and then boom, something touched my mouth. No one forced it into my mouth, but once that, that allergy, there are certain foods that I want um, just more, 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 more. I have the disease of more and the disease of denial. I was on a meeting the other day when a man says he knew many people who have died from this disease. And all of a sudden, after so many years, I'm 75, my father uh, died when I was six and a half, and I suddenly remembered, oh my God, my father died of this disease. Talk about denial for many years. Uh, thankful for program. I mean, I wish I wish I had this big book, this Bible earlier in my life, but it's come on slowly. I wasn't an overeater as a child. I was when I'm not married now, but when I got married, there was no stopping me. Uh, I used foods from being, you know, when my kids were all hyped up and cute, but hyped up. And uh, or if they didn't answer, you know, if I said, don't do that, you know, I would take, you know, just get, imagine the foods. I don't know if I you mentioned foods on this line, but um, I'm back in town. I'm back in town and it's, um, well, I'm in New York. I've been in town. I'm talking about this town. Uh, just grateful to be here and uh, looking for outreach too. So I guess at the end of this meeting, we do that. And thank God we're all here. God bless. Done. Pass. Thank you, Barbara S. And yes, it's at the end of our second meeting, the unrecorded hour from 8 to 9. You can leave your number for outreach. Thank you. Michelle D., good morning. Good morning. This is Michelle G. from Minnesota. Compulsive overeater, recovered, gratefully recovered once again. And I felt compelled to share my story uh, because I could relate. Um, I was I was recovered once before, and I had four. Uh, well, actually, after ten years of of uh, recovered, being recovered from compulsive overeating. I decided that my prayer and meditation routine in the morning was getting rote, so I thought I would switch it up. And um, I didn't switch it up. I just stopped. And after, uh, it, it was slow, but after four years of not praying and meditating, well, during that four years, the obsession returned slowly. I didn't recognize it. It started by, um, I, well, first I, I thought the obsession was only, uh, you know, with the food. I thought it was only uh, thoughts about food, but I realized for me today it was thoughts about you don't have to call people. You don't have to make calls. 
you don't have to be honest about what you're doing. You don't have to, you know, it's okay if you, you start your abstinence over and over and over. Uh, and little dishonesties, things like that. And in the, in the meantime, also, I thought I was invincible too because people put me on a pedestal. They, you know, I was interviewed on TV, radio. People were paying me to, to tell them how to stop compulsive overeating. I thought after all those years of not compulsive overeating that that I could I could start taking back some yellow light foods and I would be okay. That I didn't realize was the obsession that I could eat like other people. It came back. It came back because I stopped praying and meditating. And um, after four years of not praying and meditating, all of a sudden, um, instead of just being yellow light foods, one day the thought came, um, I could have sugar-free ice cream. And then pretty soon all of a sudden the thought came, I could have regular ice cream. And I was back in the food. And I and I gained all my weight back. And um, today, by the grace of God, I have two years again of of recovered. I'm recovered again by the grace of God. I didn't think I could make it back, but I did. But um, just I just needed to share that because none of us are are uh, invincible. But, uh, obsession can return at any time. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Michelle G. We have time for one quick two-minute share, if anybody would like that. Jackie B. Okay, Jackie, please go ahead. Hi, I'm Jackie B. from the Bronx. Thank you, everyone, for your shares. I totally get it. Um, Let me tell you, you know, uh, in my years, I always tried to... Find an easier, softer way. That's the bottom line. No matter what I did, no matter what I said, you know, there was always a good reason why um, I could stop and then start. Till there was no more reason. Till, you know what? My life was unmanageable. I was lying, cheating, doing all kinds of manipulating, self-centered things. And You know what? No matter how much I went in the rooms, no matter how many different versions I did the steps, no matter how many different food plans I did, until I heard the message that I am a compulsive overeater of the hopeless kind, that once I ingest those foods or ingredients or those behaviors that trigger the mental obsession, I will not change. I will not have a spiritual awakening. I will not realize that there is a better life out there unless that happened. And when it happened to me, I was teachable. I was truly open to my higher power that now guides me, that no matter how much anxiety, fear, I tell on myself so that I don't have to eat on myself. You know, that's the bottom line. And all my other different addictions or obsessions and stuff, They're there, and they get handled the same way, one day at a time. But I have to deal with the core disease, and that's my food addiction. 
Once I do that, I become more teachable to everything else. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Have a lovely day, everyone. Thank you, Jackie B. Thank you to everyone shared, and thank you to Marvelous Team Monday for their help in putting the meeting on today, uh, this month, I mean, and that's Marge E., Nina R., Lisa B., Craig F., Rick J., Rebecca A., and Russ M. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today's meeting, Monday, January the 25th, 7 a.m., is 16266. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Lisa B., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.